Hello everyone and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts, I'm Katie. I'm Joe. And we're married and we like making each other watch movies we like. Yeah, Joe, did. what did I make you watch this week? You had me watch My Girl. My yeah. Girl. My Girl. We're talking about, about My, my girl. girl. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the one. So uh, would you care to give us a, you know, an overview of My Girl? Yes. Who is the actress who plays the girl? Is Anna something? Anna Chlumsky. Chlumsky. Okay. For some reason, I wanted to say Paquin. That's not her. That's not correct. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, she plays a girl who has a name. Veda. Veda. Sultanfuss. Veda Sultanfuss. Who, for the first 20 minutes, I couldn't tell if it was Beta or Feta, <laughs> Ada, Data. But it was, in fact, Veda. It was, in fact, Veda. I'm not sure anyone in the movie actually ever pronounced the name that way. But... Yeah. Anyway, that's apparently her name. Her name is Veda. She is being raised by a single father played by Dan Aykroyd. So you know this movie's just going to be chock full of laughs. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd of SNL fame. Yep. Ghostbusters. Spies like us. Um, Crystal Skull Vodka. And recent alien conspiracy theories. That Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> just a barrel of laughs this movie is going to be. Yes. Uh, so she is being raised by Dan Aykroyd, her father, who runs a funeral home out of their house. Yes. I'm not sure if this is the norm for funeral homes, if people mm -hmm. actually live there. Yeah. yeah. Haven't you ever seen Six Feet Under? No. Oh, you should watch it. It's pretty good. I, you're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> However, I don't have HBO, so. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Is it really? Yeah, that's where I watched the first season. Oh, okay. Well, is the whole thing on Amazon Prime? Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you sound so dismayed by the I really fact do. that you might watch it. <laughs> well, because I've been pestered a lot mm. to watch it. I mean, it's not amazing. It's it's entertaining. Like, I only watched the first season. The second season didn't interest me, but... Mm. Apparently, the last episode is, like, the greatest last episode of TV ever. I doubt it, but all right. I guess everyone dies, so I I might like it. Oh my god! Anyway, back to my girl. Anyway, so Veda is being raised by Dan Aykroyd in a funeral home, which he runs. Mm -hmm. Also, a black guy works there, but don't worry about him; he'll show up probably one more time. His name is Arthur. His name is Arthur. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. She comes in her camper to work because she saw an ad on uh, the classifieds in the newspapers. Because this movie takes place in 1972. Mm -hmm. About a hair and makeup stylist needed at this place. I guess they call it Schultenfuss Parlor? It's called Schultenfuss Parlor, but they didn't specify in the ad what type of parlor it was. Like, she was probably expecting a salon. Oh, she was definitely. That was supposed to be mm -hmm. a joke at yeah. one point. Was that she was like, oh, these people are dead. Yeah. Anyway, Veda is also friends with Macaulay Culkin. Um, who Tom, oh Thomas J, mm -hmm. who who is the human embodiment of Eeyore throughout this movie. <laughs> That's true, he is. Anyway, so Veda's quite precocious. Mm -hmm. uh, she's advanced for her age. She's, what, 10? I think they said 11. Okay. she's Oh, that's right. She's 11 and a half because yep. she's just now getting her period, which we will circle back to later. Yep. Um, she is in love with her adult teacher english yeah. teacher mm -hmm. and and decides to steal money from jamie lee curtis to go take his summer creative writing class with a whole bunch of hippies mm -hmm. and some old people who really don't look like they want to be there which was weird because it's a 
not mandatory They might have been like retired and they're like, oh, I guess I better do something. I don't know. But yeah, she didn't realize it was an adults only class. Yeah, she just wanted that sweet. Some time with Mr. Bixler. She wanted some of that sweet, sweet Bixler. (laughs) Um... So what? She also, her mother died during childbirth, and mm-hmm. she's dealing with the guilt of that. Mm-hmm. She is springing in, into womanhood because she gets a period, and again, we'll circle back to that later. Um, Thomas J. is allergic to everything. Remember that that'll be important, especially when he starts throwing rocks at a beehive, which <laughs> in science, they just call that thinning the herd. Yeah. Um, because if you're allergic to everything, you don't go throw rocks at beehives correct anyway he dies thomas J does mm-hmm. at the end of the movie um and getting from here to there uh, a lot of stuff happens the jamie lee curtis and dan Aykroyd. yeah they fall together. they fall in love and she's not super happy about that Mm-mm. um her jamie lee curtis uh why can't i think of her name because it no 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 it was right there it's on the tip of my tongue uh shelly shelly right her ex-husband comes because she stole his camper um, or he wants something. It back. No, they found out that he, uh, at the end, after Dan Aykroyd punched him, and they're showing him oh, off. Oh, that's right. She, she, he's like, so does that camper actually belong to you? And she said, eh. Oh, yeah, she did a little hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iffy, iffy. Assy, assy is, is the hand motion for so-so. That yeah. He, anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they fall in love and become a family, mm-hmm. and uh, she has to deal with grief throughout pretty much the whole movie because well really all at once yeah she comes to terms with with her mother dying because she talks to shelly then thomas J dies then mr bixler's like i'm getting engaged to an adult woman (laughs) oh it should also be mentioned that because her her grief mechanism Mm -hmm. is uh hypochondria yep which, interestingly, I think watching this movie as a child is what made me become a hypochondriac. I think so, too. I yeah. can see that. Mm-hmm. So, interesting story about... Uh, was there any other synopsis, anything you wanted to really add? Really not. There's not a lot of things that really stand out to me okay. about this movie beyond that. I think we covered all of the main points. Um, so, I had My Girl and My Girl 2 on VHS when I was probably around veda's age in this movie this movie came out before we were born it was like 91 or something um but so there was like one summer when i was about 11 where i watched my girl and my girl 2 probably about 20 times like throughout the course of the summer which doesn't really seem like a lot but it kind of was uh and i mean that's more than once a week right? yeah. we have 12 week summers yeah for, okay for so it was a lot i watched this movie a lot um so we were, we were moving at one point during the summer i can't remember i've moved a lot as a child so i don't really know which house we were moving to or from when this happened but we were packing away our movies and my mom put my girl my girl two off in a pile on the side and i said what are you doing we got to bring those and she said oh those aren't ours i said what <laughs> and she said yeah those belong to her ex-husband's ex-wife so oh, no. my ex-stepfather's ex-wife and who is not my mom the other one and so i was like no i was there we bought these i was with you we bought these at a garage sale and she said no they belong to willa and i said no they don't they're ours we bought them and she's like well if you really want me to i'll call her and ask if she minds if we keep her videotapes and i said 
Uh, you don't have to because they're mine, but go ahead if you want to. Possession is nine-tenths <laughs> of the law, mother. <laughs> so I don't know why, but that is always stuck in my head that the My Girl tapes were mine and they did not belong to this woman, okay? <laughs> well, how did the story end up? Um, we kept them. I mean, I don't know if she ever called Willa or because I feel like we had kept, had them for so long at that point that she probably didn't even remember them. Also, she was a grown woman. So what did she need those for? However, I'm now a grown woman and I would want to keep them if I still had them. But anyway, moving on. So also, I think that this movie was the root of my hypochondriacism, hypochondriism. I don't know. Something ism with hypochondria. Um, so it was a uh it was a, these movies were you know a, a prominent figure in my seminal you yeah can even say. yeah in my in my childhood so that's a fun little fun little story for you which which is why you wanted me to watch the film right yes or was was there another reason? no um i well actually the thing that put it in my mind is that we had recently watched the good son Oh, and Macaulay Culkin was yes. an evil, evil little boy in that movie. And then it made me just think how at right about the same time, he was also this Eeyore child in My Girl. And it was just such polar opposites. So You know, that's really interesting. As, as a child actor, he had some range. Yeah, he did. I, th- I think he was a decent actor. Why d- does he not do things now? He's in a band or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's friends with like Max Landis or something probably he was in that red letter media did you know that he dated mila kunis for like eight years why i don't know would she do that i don't know or why would he do that i don't find either of them (laughs) that attractive anyway um so yeah that was the immediate reason for me wanting you to watch this movie but also it was a huge part of my childhood um and i just kind of thought it was it's strange to say but it's kind of delightful given the fact that it's such a it's a morose kind of movie but thinking about it just like it's kind of silly and lighthearted at the same time that it's focusing on grief and not so fun times during this girl's life like there were cute there are lots of cute moments in this movie like when thomas J said veda would you think of me and she said what do you mean? And he said, if you don't get to marry Mr. Bixler. And she's like, yeah, I guess. And then he just smiles so like silly into the camera like, <laughs> and then immediately goes and dies. But this th- but it was sweet because he went to go get her mood ring for her because she lost it in the woods. And that's why he died. She does, she's really the good daughter in this movie. <laughs> she kills her mother, come, ripping out hey, of her womb, hey. just splits her stem to stern presumably we don't actually get to see but i imagine that she just like tore her mother in half coming out like arms spread like a like a do you know how childbirth works i imagine she came out as an 11 year old and just <laughs> then i'm going right to open. say no you don't know how that works um and then she kills thomas J by losing her mood ring no she did not kill thomas J. I mean she's the reason he went she back she did there. not ask him to though she didn't know he was going to oh oh boy <laughs> all right so um I would like to talk about, well, obviously the thing that first comes to mind is the fact that this is a coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. It's also a period piece from the 1970s. Wink. (laughs) Yeah. She does get her first period in this movie, which I thought it was hilarious that she runs out of the bathroom and says, Daddy, I'm hemorrhaging! (laughs) Um, But anyway. um, So... 
we enjoy coming of age and period piece movies on this podcast so we don't really need to spend too much time talking about either of those things Mm-mm. we we have at not ad nauseum i do believe i believe we have ad well. infinitum yeah yeah even yeah even um, i got a question for you okay. before you move on mm-hmm. so hold on to that thought. okay keep it close yep. tuck it in your sock right. is, is what my old music teacher would say okay it's in my sock uh good why is this movie called my girl mm-hmm. if the protagonist is the girl who whose girl is it well i have two answers for you and i don't think either of them are going to be very satisfactory Mm-mm. the first answer is there will be trivia about it that i can talk to you about oh good the second piece is they played the song my girl at the end that's all i've got for you okay because they didn't even play stacy's mom at the end of stacy's mom they didn't that was so disappointing yeah i doubt anybody has seen that movie but don't go into that movie thinking you're gonna get to listen to fountains of wayne because it's not gonna happen if, if you're within the sound of her voice do not go see the movie <laughs> stacy's mom <laughs> it was awful which which was really just a movie cashing in on like the american pie craze and yeah. the road trip basically and that was, was bad. Mm-hmm. bad yeah there were really no redeeming qualities of that movie whatsoever um, were there boobs in it? I don't, I don't even, think so. I don't even think there were boobs There's in it. There's like implied boobs, I think. Implied boobs? Like, like you see the back and she's like opening her um. robe or something. Anyway. Yeah. So the title, I mean, the only thing that I can get from it, aside from the not so great trivia fact I'm going to tell you later, mm-hmm. and the fact that the song plays, is that maybe it's about Harry Saltonfuss like finally connecting with his daughter i don't know i don't even think he did a really good job of that though. no he didn't um maybe at some point in a future episode i'll make you watch my girl too <laughs> joe's face is uh very excited for that yeah oh i kind of want to see it yeah just because i want to know what they did okay like how i there could you have made a sequel there are some days and it's not like i spend my days thinking about this there are some days when i'll remember my girl and my girl too and i'll say oh yeah i kind of liked my girl too better and then i'll be like no my girl's better so it's it's actually it's a fun movie i enjoyed it because there's no no okay there's no macaulay culkin in my girl too or is there (laughs) no there's not (laughs) there's no ghost of thomas J in this movie in my girl too there's not um so we're going to pull my thought back out of my sock Mm -hmm. and see if i can remember what it was Mm -hmm. um so this movie i already said to your sort of incredulous look that this movie is rather delightful Mm um maybe it's just because like it's not as much as it was about like death and loss and grief and all of that like, it still managed to not be the kind of movie that you ball your eyes out during. Or, like, there were lighthearted moments that sort of picked it up from the, like, tearjerker drama coming of age into the whack, kind of wacky. There were some mishaps and things like that. So, I don't know. I just don't think it was the gloomy movie that it could have been given its setting and subject matter. Um, so what do you think about the way that death is handled in movies for children and teenagers? Like, do you think that the majority of the time movies sort of over, maybe this isn't the right word, but like over glamorize it or 
anything like that or do you think it's there are some movies that do it justice like those feelings or like how do you think death is often portrayed in movies for this age group i don't have a great answer for you Mm -hmm. because i've really had nobody in my life die Mm -hmm. um especially at that age i think i went to like a wake open house once like my great grandmother died i don't even remember if it was that wake that we went to um but she died when i was younger than that even Mm -hmm. i was still wearing matching sweatpants and sweatshirts (laughs) um I remember I was asked if I wanted to go to the funeral, and I said, no, that doesn't sound like fun, and didn't go. Um, And since then, no one's really died. All my grandparents are still around. None of my close friends have overdosed yet. So I don't have a great answer. Um, I suppose this movie handled it fairly matter-of-factly, considering she lives in and around death all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Aside from her little, like, freak out where she runs in during the funeral and it's like, his face hurts, his face hurts, because they didn't mm-hmm. do a great job of un- un- Shelly. unswelling his yeah. face. Um, and I haven't watched enough of those sort of, like, TV movie heartfelt children's... Lifetime movies? Yeah. Children's movies. After school specials? Yeah. In, in a while to really know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think death is hard to deal with in movies anyway. I mean, we just watched Aliens the other mm-hmm. the other day, and the way death was handled was, he's dead, he's dead, forget him, we gotta go! Yeah. And, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, like, what other movies I've watched that have sort of, like, looked at death. Um, there was Get Low with Bill Murray. I haven't seen that. Um, where an old man learns that, like, the last person who maybe even could have considered him a friend had died. So mm-hmm. he goes about setting, getting ready for his funeral. And then there's, like, wrist cutters and burn, 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 and before I disappear, which are all fairly depressing mm-hmm. death movies. So I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about <laughs> movies for kids? I guess that's a better question for you. Um, well, when I was actually around her age, when I was in fifth grade, I did have a friend die. Mm -hmm. Um, she drowned. Um, so that was incredibly hard to deal with at the time because she had actually just moved like the week before she died. So she said goodbye to all of us in art class in elementary school. And then a week later, we were all saying goodbye to her for a different reason. So that was really sad. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I did have my best friend at the time. Her dad died from cancer. So there's a lot of death in my life when I was younger. Um, And I had my great-grandma die. And uh, so it's one of those subjects that's hard to tackle in movies and in books because everyone deals with it in such different ways. Um, I think that this movie it does a pretty good job of it because she is surrounded by death, literally. (laughs) And it's still sort of mystifying to her. Like, she doesn't... I don't think that she really understands, like, what death is, kind of. 
Because okay. at the beginning, like, they get a child-sized coffin, and she said, that's not for a kid, is it? And he said, and the dad said, no, it's for short people. Like, because he doesn't, like, want to discuss the fact that children can die with her. Um, and she, I think she knows that her, she obviously knows her mom died. And yeah. that she was the reason and i say that in quotes because i don't believe that but she was the reason for her mom's death so she sort of knows that her mom is not in her life because she is dead and i think that's pretty much all that she knows about what death means like she i think at one point she asked somebody if they believed in god but i don't remember which character it was yeah i don't remember that being a big part of the movie so it's it's sort of seems like while it's an all-encompassing thing for her it's also like not part of her daily life even though it is if that like i don't know how to explain that yeah well it's it's just the norm so it's not something that you think about whereas with most people you don't experience death all the time so you just tend not to think about it Mm -hmm. and then she's around sort of the aftermath of it or she's around like the nuts and bolts of death you know people getting funerals together and things like that happening so Mm -hmm. i think that Probably one of the strong points of the way that this movie deals with death is that it, like, looking at it as something that children will be watching and maybe gaining some of their little knowledge about what death is at that point in their lives, I think it tells you, like, the basics that somebody dies and when they die, they have a funeral and then the funeral is where everybody says goodbye and then you don't see the person anymore. Like... Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all kids really need to know about death. Like, I mean, what, what, yeah. Like, they don't need to be contemplating the afterlife or anything. Yeah. So, I guess that's the thing I was going to bring up is that there's how movies deal with death for kids depends Mm -hmm. really on the intention of the people making the film. Mm -hmm. So, if it's a Christian movie, obviously it's, well, they died, they went to heaven. If it's, I mean, there's a lot of movies that aren't necessarily, like, Christian message movies mm-hmm. where people are still like, heaven. I mean, all dogs go to heaven. It's about dogs dying and going to heaven. Yeah. Which is weird. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I was actually just thinking about that movie the other day. Yeah? Yeah. Because Homeward Bounds are now on Netflix. Yeah. And about other dog movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not too many, like, nihilist kids movies where it's like, well, when you die, you turn off forever. He's done. Yeah. And and then like, all right, who wants lunch type mm-hmm. movies, which that would be great. Like I want, I want sort of, uh, can somebody please make a coming of age movie that's somewhere between this and the Adams family? I was just going to mention something about the Adams family, how like it, they talk about death with their children as having it be like what they want to happen. Like the kids torture each other mm-hmm. and everything. So, but that's obviously comedy, so it's very different. Yeah, well, the thing with the Adams Family is that you take everything that normal people don't like and you just make them like it. Yeah, that's true. And I think the message that that comes along with the Adams Family movies is, is less about, like, existentialism and death and stuff and more about just embracing who you are and loving your family no matter what. Yeah. Um, which this movie does not do. This movie... No. <laughs> This movie did not end for me very satisfactorily in terms of, like, the daddy-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. 
he's she talks to him about like her mom Mm -hmm. right and she talks to him about thomas J. and he's just like no dude like these things just happen like sometimes people die and stuff like it sucks bro yeah and she's like well that's not great and he's like i'm sorry (laughs) yeah that it was very unsatisfying to see that he just didn't seem to really want to connect with her and i think it's because like you mentioned she reminded him a lot of his wife yeah and uh, there there could have been so much more drama in the movie with like him without really even wanting to like blaming her mm-hmm. and she's blaming herself so it's hard for him to tell her like no that's like not how that happens and like we see him conflicted but we don't see him a lot and when we do see him he's just making eyes at Shelly uh, yeah Shelly like they go to bingo mm-hmm. and he and she's he he may. Or she makes a joke. She's like, it's terrible, but I see all these people, and I'm thinking about, like, I'm going to be doing their hair and makeup pretty soon. And he goes, how do you think we got these seats? Mm -hmm. Which, the only time I've ever met funeral directors have been under the circumstance of, like, not a funeral. Yeah. Um, There was a time when I was on a mission trip back when I did churchy things Mm -hmm. as as a young kid when we went to West Virginia because there's lots of pores there. And we were just going around to local businesses and being like, you want us to pray for you? Mm-hmm. Which, anyway. And and so we go into a funeral home and there's nobody there. And so the adult that's with us is just kind of like, hello? And the guy bursts out of a room and goes, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so that has always been my, and like he proceeded to use every I'm a funeral home guy joke like he knew during our brief interaction with him and he's like it's not the dead ones you gotta worry about kids oh <laughs> like that so that is in my mind what a funeral director is you know mm-hmm. that and that mortician lady who has a youtube channel who answers questions mm-hmm. she answers like science questions about like do dead people really fart <laughs> and and stuff like that um and she has a lot of sense of humor. She dresses all gothy and, mm-hmm. and everything. And so that is, in my mind, what a funeral home director is and mm-hmm. does. And it's someone who... It's a family business. And you're in it because it's a family business. And you've lived around it for so long that now everything's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like the same way that if your dad owned a hardware store, you would just be like making the hammers talk to each other or something. You know? <laughs> um and Dan Aykroyd was not that. Like, he mm-hmm. had no passion for what he was doing, really. He didn't really have passion about anything. He seemed very burned out mm-hmm. about it. And that's probably because he was depressed that his wife died 20 years ago or whatever. Or 11. <laughs> 11 years ago. He said, I haven't gone on a date in 20 years, is what he said. Well, yeah, because they were probably married for a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he, like... It also, at the same time, because I just, I didn't like him very much as a character. Yeah. But it was also kind of touching to see him open up when Shelly was in his life. Because she was good for him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for Veda. Yeah. Yeah, Veda was very, like, when she first met Shelly, she was like, when Shelly came to talk about the job, 
she was like fascinated by her by like her camper and the way she looked and everything and but then as soon this it was like a switch that flipped as soon as she realized that her dad had like some sort of crush on her or something she's like oh shelly i hate shelly shelly's mm-hmm. awful and it's just funny because as a child who has had parents like dating like some like i can identify with some of those feelings okay. like i never like uh I mean, I don't want to talk about my family's personal life too much, but at one point when I was in early high school, one of my parents was dating someone who I just couldn't stand, and I made it abundantly clear that I did not like this person, that I thought this person was not good for my parent, and um, my parent took it as me not wanting them to be happy. Mm. And that made me feel so terrible because that's not what I wanted at all. I was just trying to say that this person is not good for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Turns out I was right. This person was awful and uh, was, you know, putting out ads on on sketchy sites saying they wanted to get married immediately while they were living in our house and Mm. dating my parents. And they were just kind of scummy. I remember this person. Yeah. So... It was, um, so it's hard being a kid with a parent who is trying to have some sort of romantic relationship with someone who is not your other parent, Mm -hmm. um, because there are a lot of feelings there. Like, um, like you sort of, you do kind of feel like that you should be enough to make your parent happy, you know, but at the same time, because you don't really realize like what romance means to a person like that how necessary that is for people who are interested in having a relationship like that like that becomes really important to them and you kind of don't realize as a kid that you and this person are not competing you know okay so i think that veda was maybe trying to gain her father's affection because she probably felt like her dad wasn't giving her the kind of attention she needed and then all of a sudden here's shelly and he's giving shelly all this affection that she never got mm-hmm. so which is probably another reason for the hypochondria stuff where yeah. she's just like dad i have breast cancer I'm right. dying. <laughs> yeah. and he's like all right what do you want for breakfast yeah and then there's that that scene where shelly walks into the kitchen and veda's just laying on the floor next to the kitchen table mm-hmm. and she's like oh my god what's wrong with veda and he's like oh she's fine she just doesn't want to eat her vegetables or something like that mm-hmm. so you can tell that a lot of veda's behavior is her acting out because she desperately needs her dad's attention and he's just doesn't know how to give it to her what are you looking at what's going on i'm not i'm just not realizing that your chair has like a shelf underneath it yeah there's like books and stuff down there yeah that's cool thanks <laughs> Don't, do not take that as me not paying attention to you <laughs> okay um yes so as you were talking i'm realizing that there's a reason why coming of age films never resonated with me and it's because my growing up has is 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 boring <laughs> because my parents were together and not poor yeah and did not have or share any sort of severe issues mm-hmm. with my siblings or i and then I was a teenager, and and we didn't get along very well. And now I am married to you. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Like that that you you could very easily sum up my life because there's not a lot of like defining moments. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I was a kid. Um, my cat died. That was rough. Then my dog died. Then we didn't have any pets. Then I met Katie. Then we went to college. 
and now we're married and I'm an adult. Yeah. It would be a very short film and would be very boring. Whereas you've had a little bit more upheaval mm-hmm. in your life. Um, the thing is how your parents have questionable dating uh, <laughs> tastes. Um, yeah, that's a good point, though, that coming-of-age stories probably mean more to the children who have things going wrong and they need something to hold on to kind of thing. Um that's not to say that you can't enjoy them. It's just like, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of want something to tell you everything's going to be okay. Well, it's not this movie. No, it's not <laughs> this movie, really. Um, that's kind of something that I didn't like about this movie upon this watching as an adult is that there's really no resolution to anything. Um, like Thomas J died at the very end. And then we get the little talk with Dan Aykroyd and Veda and then at the very very end we see thomas j's mom walking down the street and then she sees harry in the window and they come out and talk and then veda says uh don't worry about thomas j my mother will look after him and then that's the end so i think she said something like come over for dinner sometime or yeah so it's just kind of like the whole movie was building up to something and then we find out it was thomas j's death and then that's it like, there's a little scene where she goes and reads a poem in the class with Mr. Bixler, mm-hmm. where she's, like, talking about the weeping willow and getting over her grief and everything. And then she comes outside, and she has a new friend and all that. But Oh, yeah, the the friend that's set up at the beginning with all the mean girls teasing her except for the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it wasn't necessarily an extremely satisfying ending, but... I guess that's kind of the point. Like, you don't always get satisfying endings in life. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you got to teach them young. You know, <laughs> yeah. life's a bitch, then you die, kids. Go to bed. No dinner. Oh. Uh, can Why did this movie have the, the hippie couple in the creative writing class with the, the, the woman being potentially interested in another man yeah that was just just a random little subplot wasn't it um which had no conclusion did she ever get with that man no i don't think so were they in like a swinging deal did he what did the dude become into it because his facial expression when he realized what was about to happen was not super happy no i think it just sort of served as another relationship for veda to see and like sort of see how relationships work Hmm. um because she saw her dad and shelly's relationship and that was about it like that's the only relationship she had ever really been exposed to like thomas j's parents but it didn't seem like she spent that much time with them um so i think it was just another like this is what two happy adults look like kind of thing and then but then you don't really know why they set that up as the girl might want to get with the other guy i don't know it was an maybe it was more for the adults than the kids yeah but even still i'm an adult yeah and that ended unsatisfactory factorally unsatisfactorily to me whatever Mm -hmm. i'm drunk no you're not no i'm not (laughs) um i don't know do you got anything else for trivia um huh do you want to kick in into trivia can can we talk about why this movie is named my girl i mean there's not very much trivia but yeah we can talk about the trivia um let's see thanks to imdb for you know having trivia for us to read um let's see the willow tree that is seen throughout the movie is not a willow tree 
Due to issues finding a perfect pond with a willow tree by it, the creators had to find a different tree, remove all of its branches, and replace the tree's branches with fake willow tree branches. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's dumb. Okay, so... Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. There, there's got to be a better way to do that. You would think so. Okay, so as a person who's in broadcasting and mm-hmm. has, has, has worked close with people who make films, mm-hmm. there's got to be a better way to do that. You would think. You couldn't green screen in the pond? You couldn't... Why not just deal with a different tree? Well, because it had to be a weeping willow because that was the name of her poem at the end. Change the name of the poem to Big but it was Tall about Oak Tree. Weeping willow, why do you weep? La 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 la. Christ. I don't know. Uh, I knew a guy in middle school who tried to hang himself from a willow tree. Oh my god. He like tied the, the weeping branches together uh-huh. into a rope. Why? I don't know. Why does anyone try to hang mm. themselves? Gross. Funny thing, he, he also was allergic to bees and got stung to death by bees while up in the trees. So he could have just saved himself a step. I'm joking about that. Thank you. Okay. The film's original title was mm. ready to hear how awful it was mm. born jaundiced <laughs> okay hold on <laughs> now i can imagine a coming of age film called born jaundiced and it's french and about a little lesbian girl <laughs> all right it's kind of it's kind of the spiritual successor to blue is the warmest color which i've not seen because i'm not going to watch a three hour french movie about two girls kissing i can get enough of that on the internet in english with less time spent secondly why can we pick this apart can we can we intro to creative writing this, this apart well i mean there's more to the tribute okay please okay Hold on. The film, Go. The film's original title was Born Jaundice, which the producers understandably elected to change. To do that, they offered a $500 incentive to whichever Imagine Entertainment employee could come up with the best alternative. As a lot of the film is set in a funeral parlor, a lot of the suggestions were along the lines of morning glory in lieu of flowers and dearly departed. Other alternatives included Veda, the name of Anna Chlumsky's character, which was rejected on the grounds that it sounded like a South African uprising, and I Am Woman. Ultimately, it was the film's producer, Brian Grazer, who came up with My Girl and presumably pocketed the $500 reward himself. So, they didn't really have a lot of great ideas, it seemed. No. And, okay, so, but, let's, let's, there's a lot to this, mm-hmm. all right? Why born jaundiced? Because she was born jaundice. Was she? Yeah. How do we know? I think she says that at the beginning of the movie. When she's sitting there and her dad is making a sandwich and she's talking to us. She's like, I have a lot of health problems. I was born jaundice. Uh, one of my breasts is bigger than the other ones and I have a chicken bone in my throat. But why not chicken bone throat? Why not <laughs> lopsided boobs? Because those are both terrible also. Why not like tricky titty? I don't know. Like, <laughs> Oh boy. Because. Okay. Um, but still, my girl is not a great title because she is a very independent character. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with because of the song. <sighs> but the song doesn't even fit. No, it doesn't. I've I don't I don't know what to tell you, dear. I don't have the answer for this particular question. I think it was meant to be 
because when people hear the title, they're probably supposed to think of the song and then they'll say, oh, I like that song. And then they'll go see the movie. Like we did with Stacy's mom. Exactly. <laughs> see, we brought that around full circle. <sighs> but So you've seen this movie, what, like 400,000 times? Probably. I think we've decided. Mm-hmm. Did that ever, like, was that ever a problem to you as a child? No. Like, why is this movie called that? No. So, is it a problem for you now? Is this just me? I mean, I do agree that there's really no reason for it to be called My Girl, but it's not (laughs) going to deter me from enjoyment of the movie. Hmm. I mean, it didn't deter me from enjoyment. I just thought it was something very different when, like, going into the movie, seeing Macaulay Mm-hmm. And and Veda on the cover, mm-hmm. I imagined, oh, this is a cute little love story about two friends who, among, along with finding their sexuality, find each other. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, kiss by a pond or something and then get stung to death by bees like <laughs> Nicolas Cage in a wicker man. <laughs> or like but Thomas it, J it, and my girl. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, It that wasn't the movie. No, it wasn't. Because Thomas J was essentially just a subplot. He was he or he was like a he was a manic pixie dream allergic reaction. <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on. <sighs> uh, this was Macaulay Culkin's first on-screen kiss. Ah, what are you doing? I dropped a thing. Um, the MPAA originally gave the movie a PG-13 rating, most likely for the mature elements throughout. It was changed to a PG on appeal. Uh, Chevy Chase was considered for the role of Harry Soltenfuss, but since he didn't have much experience in acting with dramatic roles, producer Brian Grazer suggested Dan Aykroyd to director Howard Zeef instead, as he had more experience, fresh off an Oscar nomination for Driving Miss Daisy. However, Aykroyd and Chase were both on SNL, and they had also co-starred with each other in Spies Like Us and Nothing But Trouble. Screenwriter Larice Elowaney said the film was inspired by a childhood friend who lived in a funeral home. Uh, Bill Murray and Steve Martin were also considered for the role of Harry Saltonfuss, but both were busy doing other movies at the time and could not commit to the role. Murray was working on What About Bob, and Martin was busy with the remake of Father of the Bride. So it seems like everybody they considered for the role was a comedic actor, which you mentioned during the movie. Felt You said Dan Aykroyd felt really out of place. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, because it's not a funny movie. And he's not a funny character. He's not even comic relief in the film. He's 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 more depressing to watch than Macaulay Culkin in this movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he just he's just like, Don't come in the basement, there's naked dead people. <laughs> <laughs> and like everything that his daughter does annoys him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, everything. Yeah. Her 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 hanging out with Arthur, her hypochondria her boobs like everything (laughs) just frustrates him Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting choice and i wonder why they wanted a comedic actor for that role maybe originally they wanted him to be funnier and then dan Aykroyd just wasn't funny i don't know well they didn't give him anything to do that would be considered funny except for that one line how do you think i got these seats yeah that's true um, this is the second film collaboration of Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. They previously co-starred in Trading Places. Um, the original script was entered in the Nickel Fellowship Screenwriting Contest and didn't get past the first round. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Anna Chlumsky was pre- previously appeared as an extra in Uncle Buck, which starred Macaulay Culkin. Oh, yeah. 
Um, the Sultanfuss family are shown watching All in the Family. Ironically, Richard Mazur, Phil Sultanfuss, made his TV debut in a 1974 episode, Gloria's Boyfriend. Um, let's see. Oh, we didn't even talk about the weird brother who just no. kind of showed up uh, halfway through the yeah, movie. Yeah, he was not an integral piece of the story, except there is that kind of cute scene when they're watching the fireworks together, and narration Veda says... He's different, just like me. He has a plate in his head, and one time we picked up a... A radio station, station through his teeth, teeth yeah. or something, yeah. So he could have been in the movie more? Yeah. Like, uh, th- this movie needed a few more drafts, I think. Yeah, I was just thinking it sort of felt like there was more, and it just had to get cut down or something. See, I don't even think that, like um, Uncle Nino, where there was like too much in it. Oh, yeah. I feel like there wasn't really enough in it. Like, they yeah. could have fleshed out something more. Um, when Veda is playing with her ball and it falls down the stairs where the dead body is kept, she gets locked in and panicking like Jamie Lee Curtis was doing in Halloween when she was escaping from Michael. Mm. Um, I forgot she was in that. Because of a scene in which Anna Chlumsky and Macaulay Culkin become blood brothers by mixing each other's blood from a cut, the British Board of Film Classification insisted that the film carry a warning to children against performing such a ritual to prevent the transmission of HIV. Yeah, so in the 90s, they have a movie where two kids rub (laughs) their blood into each other. Good job. Um, Thomas J's death is foreshadowed when a small coffin is brought into the funeral home and Veda asks if it's for a child. It's also foreshadowed again when Veda tells Shelly that Thomas J is allergic to everything and when Thomas J and Veda first encounter the beehive during which Thomas J declares run for your life. Reportedly, fans of Macaulay Culkin protested heavily against the on-screen death of his character in the movie as they felt that their young hero should not die in a film. Okay. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Uh, one thing that was changed in the novel adapt in the novel adaptation was when Harry tells Veda that Thomas J died from the bees is extended. Veda instead knocks over her fishbowl, which isn't included in the film. That mm. was poorly worded, but okay. Okay, so the fishbowl she won at the carnival, mm-hmm. where she was dragged along as a third wheel on his dad's date, which is never a great idea. Mm-mm. Don't bring your daughter on a date. Mm-mm. She wins a fish, she drops the fish, she says the fish is fine, and then in the novelization of the book movie, she knocks the fishbowl over. Yeah. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to chat about before we do some survey questions? I'm just frustrated. (laughs) I'm just frustrated. Care to elaborate? Well, because coming of age films carry, and children's movies in general, I think kind of have this big responsibility Mm -hmm. where they can be defining movies for children. And because of that, I feel, as an artist and a person working in the communication industry, that they should be good. <laughs> because if they're not, you're just teaching kids that that's what movies are, you know? Like like the abstinence people are like, you shouldn't let kids have sex just because they want to, because that's not what love is. Okay. Similarly, I don't want children to watch the Chipmunks movie and think that that's what comedy is. Because that's not what comedy is. That's just, you know. uh, 
and and as a person who who loves you mm-hmm. knowing that this was such an important movie to you i wish it had been better <laughs> well that's sweet for the dozens of hours that you've spent watching these movies yeah but you can also make the argument that when you watch movies that you enjoy as a kid you watch them because you just like them and then as you grow up you don't really like remember why you liked the movies like you just say oh yeah that was a movie i watched a lot when i was a kid it's not like that has like like distorted your view of what film should be it's just like you can look back on it and say oh yeah that wasn't a great movie but i loved it when i was a kid it's not like it ruins you or anything like i don't think this watching and liking this movie like turned me off to what a good movie is apparently joe disagrees (laughs) i mean i don't know i are you defending like movies not being quality no i'm not defending movies not being quality because no matter what there will never be a world in which every single movie that gets put out is a quality movie sure and everyone has different tastes and everyone watches movies for different reasons and to get different things out of them and when you're a kid you watch movies for different reasons than you do when you're an adult um no (laughs) what do you mean no i mean no am i wrong you're mostly wrong um just because tastes are different doesn't mean that like there aren't still basic like this is what good writing is okay and like this movie didn't have good writing okay i'm not disagreeing with you i'm saying this was a movie i enjoyed when i was a child yeah when i was a child i wasn't looking at it through the lens of is this good writing i'm looking at it as does this movie make me feel something but it could have made you feel so much more if it had been good right but it wasn't and i can't change that (laughs) so i'm saying for the future this podcast is for the children damn it (laughs) and if you're gonna make a film don't waste my child's time by making it bad (laughs) write a good goddamn movie every time take pride in what it is that you're making make a film make it good no matter who your audience is Otherwise, don't waste my time with this movie. Don't waste your own time. Don't write a crap movie. You're wasting your own time. You're wasting everyone's time. You got hundreds of people working on this film with you, working in the marketing that are going to go see it. You're wasting so many people's time. Just make a good movie. Anyway, we can go into the survey. Okay. I kind of ended things on a downer. (laughs) So did this movie. (laughs) Um, At least I didn't get stung to death by bees. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Which character would be the first to die in a horror movie? Thomas J. Yeah. And or Veda's mother. <laughs> Wait. Well, because if it was a horror movie, it would have started during, like, the pre-credit scene would have been her dying during childhood. That's true. That's probably true. Um, let's see. Um, name two songs that you think Harry Sultanfuss has on his playlist. Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Something probably stupid from the 70s. And he's old. So he's probably listened to like 
old, like early Johnny Cash or something. What state were they in? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so not Johnny Cash. He was listening to like, I don't know, like some Temptations knockoff band or something. Yeah, probably. All right, and your final final survey question. Pick three items from this movie that you would want with you if you were stuck on a deserted island. Uh, a coffin, because I would use it as a boat. <laughs> um, um, there wasn't a lot of useful things in this movie. I guess maybe her basketball. Okay. So I could paint a face on it. Wilson. There you go. Um... <laughs> And um, the the bingo ball roller things that they have. <laughs> I don't know what I would use it for, but I would figure it out. All right. Well, so uh, what are you planning to show me next week? A Nightmare on Elm Street, another lovely children's coming-of-age film about kids dealing with scary dreams. Yay! Uh, where can people find us? Uh, Noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. Sharing everything show at gmail.com is where you can send us emails for any reason. Yeah, you can weigh in on the should movies for children be yeah. good. Should should thing. people should people waste their time making quality films or should we just put out crap that kids are gonna drag their parents to go see so that we can make money? Yeah. Um and uh Give us a five star review on iTunes, yeah, why Yeah, yeah, why don't you do that too? Um so until then, when we discuss Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh my god, you're, there's you're, things I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to be doing things here. Oh, oh, oh geez. <laughs> oh no, hold on. Oh heck. Oh heck. <laughs> oh heck. Oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> there it is. Oh my god. So until next time, now that we're finally there, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing. And keep making crap movies, because it doesn't matter, apparently. <laughs> Bye now.